You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. Good to see you guys here today. If you've got your Bibles, let's go to Psalm chapter 63. And as you're turning there, uh, man, I'm excited about what God has been doing over the last several weeks. This is part five of our Make Some Noise series. And We've been focusing on mission and what our mission is here and, and how we are partnering with, with local organizations. Pastor Brent's been sharing a ton of, of information about ways that you can get involved and way, ways that you can, in fact, make some noise. And that's why I love this theme, like the idea that, that we can make noise in our community for the gospel. And so for too long, the church has you know, become a little bit stale and a little bit boring, a little bit irrelevant. And for so many people in our, our culture, they, they view church, they view Jesus as something that's not um, even a factor for them and, and, and something that they've never actually seen to, to actually encourage them to even think about Jesus. But when we make the right kind of noise in our culture, it stirs up a curiosity for Jesus. You know, Jesus comes on the scene and he makes some, some legitimate noise. I mean, he stirs up the community, his ministry, the miracles, what he teaches. It, it, it flips a community upside down and literally the world. And so for us, we wanna, we wanna grasp the concept of what that feels like, what that looks like as a church, as believers. How can we make a difference? How can we make some noise and change things around us? How can we be a catalyst for change at work, at school, in our families? Well, I think we can do that. I think we must do that. And today, one of the major ways that you and I can make noise is through prayer. And so we want to spend some time focusing on what the prayer life of a noisemaker looks like. So, so what does a prayer life and what are the things that we are praying about look like and, and how do we do that? And I want us to focus on that because in fact, the most impact you could possibly make is not out, you know, standing on a, a, a box on the streets, you know, yelling at people to turn or burn. Like, the, like being loud and, 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 and yelling isn't the most effective way for us to make noise. I, I think it first and foremost starts with us silently praying in our own prayer closets, in our own bedrooms, in our own, you know, private moments, having a conversation with God. I think literally our prayer life can in fact inflict change around us in a way that we could never do on our own. And so how many of you guys believe in the power of prayer? Say, oh yeah. yeah. I believe God still answers prayer. And, and, um, and so I was thinking this week, you know, I usually wait till the week of to come up with a title for the sermon. I'm like, man, I want a good title this week. And so I'm thinking about prayer and, you know, how that, that kind of dichotomy between, you know, making noise and actually when we, when we pray, we're actually silent. And so it's kind of a cool kind of contrast there. And so I was thinking, you know, silently praying, but, but also just being, you know, bold and making noise. And so I thought, I mean, I got it. I got the perfect sermon title, Silent But Violent. And then I, I stood there for a minute and I said, no, that, that sermon stinks. I can't do that one. <clears throat> That's bad, isn't it? That's bad. But no, seriously, like when, when, we, when we think about it, like did our pastor just really make that joke? Yes, <clears throat> yeah, he did. So, so when we think about making noise, like prayer is essential. 
And here's the thing about prayer. You're never going to be passionate about prayer until you're first passionate about God. And you're never going to be passionate about prayer uh, until you first and foremost have a hunger and thirst for Jesus. And so, so when we talk about mission and, and mission offering and, 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 and sharing the gospel, like that's not even going to be very important to you at all until you first have a hunger for God, which leads to a prayer life with God, which then gives you the power to have a missional life. And so we want to look at that today. And I want us to understand that Jesus is a man of prayer, son of God, and yet he was a man of prayer. Over and over again, we see him uh, wandering off by himself to spend time with his heavenly father in prayer. When we jump back into the gospel of John, we're going to see him the night of his arrest with an amazing prayer for unity for his church. And, and so Jesus is a man of prayer. So we want to be a, a people of prayer. Now, when you look around in culture, uh, our culture doesn't believe in prayer, Right. Like this is a waste of time for, for, you know, culture today. Like this is, this is senseless to do this. And even by their example and by their lifestyle, I would say that there are even some Christians, quite possibly even in this room, who their lack of prayer actually teaches that they really don't believe it either. Because if we really believed it, we would do it, right? This week, we yet again face another terrible tragedy in our country. Another terrorist attack in California, people, 14 people killed, others seriously wounded, and so that number may even climb. It's beyond me, you know? It's, It's just so frustrating. And so as often when a tragedy like this happens, our nation's leaders will make comments, they'll post on Twitter, um, things like, I'm praying for the victims and their families, a prayer of encouragement, a prayer of support. And so we see this, and this isn't uncommon, but this week was a little bit different because after so many um, politicians tweeted something about prayer, um, the New York Daily Times picked this up and they actually tweeted a picture of their front page on Thursday. I don't know if you saw it. Can you guys put it up on the screen? This is what it looks like. Put it on the big screen so everybody can see it. It says, God isn't fixing this. So the idea is, you can see on the side there, Ted Cruz, Lindsey Graham, Paul Ryan, all making comments and thoughts uh, about prayer. And so, so with these beside this comment, that the message is clear. The message is, is obvious. Prayer is useless. God isn't going to fix this. You need, in their opinion, to create laws about gun control. Now, I'm not going to teach my opinion about that um, and get into that. My point is this. this, this shouldn't surprise us. When we, when we see this, this, this shouldn't surprise us and we shouldn't be, you know, taken back by this because in, in our culture, prayer is, is useless. There was a Twitter war that <laughs> ensued after this, this uh, tweet this week and you can go home and look it up, but people from all over the country making comments about how dumb it is to prayer. I wrote one man's tweet down. He said, how does closing your eyes and talking to yourself help victims of shootings and their families? So over and over again, you know, the tweets like this were happening. And so basically shaming these politicians for, for, for just saying, you know, pray for these people and they want them to do whatever they want them to do. So it turns into a political fight and war. 
But at the end of the day, like our culture thinks this is useless. And so, so if you're afraid to be ostracized because you're praying, then, then, then guess what? No power. If, if you're afraid that, that people are going to look at you differently because you believe in prayer, they already do, by the way. And so for us, we want to get to a point to where we have a hunger for God, we have a thirst for God, which will then fuel this passion for prayer. And it's through that passion for prayer that our mission will succeed. And it's through that passion for prayer that our personal growth in life explodes. And so it's kind of like, all right, Trent gave us a gut check here. Appreciate that. I don't pray enough. And so thanks for making me feel bad. I need to go home and pray. Matter of fact, I need to pray right now. But here, this is what we've got to do. We've got to, we've got to get a little gut check, right? And then we dive into how we can how we can do this more effectively. And so let's look at Psalm 63. This is what a passion for God looks like. And so just look at this from, from your own perspective and from your own life, and, and then we'll ask God to speak to us today. Verse one, chapter 63. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. So earnestly, passionately, I, I seek you. So there's an, so there's an active role that we play, that we are seeking after God. And we are running towards God. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So the imagery is clear. Now, obviously they're from the Middle East. And so, you know, just having been there, it's, it's dry. It's very dry. It's desert. So just imagine being in the desert after a couple of days of no water, no food on the verge of death, and your body like screaming out for liquid. Your body screaming out for food. Like, like some of you haven't eaten breakfast and your body is screaming for food right now. And you're like, bro, we got to go eat. You know, if you've ever fasted, you've experienced like your body just, just hungering and, and just a, a dire need to be fed. And that's the kind of energy, that's the kind of, of, of mentality that he's saying that our spirit longs to know God. Our spirit longs to be connected to him. And so this is a, this is a passion, this is an earnest seeking out of who God is. And so he says, so I looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. And so I will bless you as long as I live in the name of in your name, I will lift up my hands. And so the praise of chapter, I'm, I'm sorry, of verse three comes after the earnestness, the passion and seeking God. So we seek God and then the worship follows. And so for you and I, if, if we are not passionate about God, if we're not excited about God, if we're not passionate about pursuing him, if we're not passionate about knowing him, then our prayer life will be extinct, be ineffective, it'll be worthless. So if we're going to get excited, if we're going to get passionate about who he is and what he's done for us, then and only then will that lead to prayer and then will that lead to a hunger for his mission. And so as we cling to him, our prayer life changes. And so it changes from I don't have a prayer life to now I have a prayer life. I'm seeking after God and now I didn't have a prayer life, now I have one. And then as we continue to seek him, it moves from my prayers are just basically about me to now my prayers are about those around me, those in need. Uh, in fact, the gospel, in fact, the mission of God. And so, so it progresses as we dive into him and as we draw closer to him. And that's important because we're selfish. 
And, and, and the challenge is not just to begin a prayer life, as important as that is, the challenge is to begin to pray for the mission of God. And so that takes us out of ourself. That takes us out of our, 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 our current situation and what we are, are facing and the problem that we have right now. You brought a problem in the room, you had an argument with your spouse, you've got an issue at work, you're stressed about it, you're worried about it, and yet when we pursue the mission of God, God gives us a bigger perspective of reality. And it's not just about my current situation. And so then I begin to see people that I'm, I'm, I'm working with. I begin to see people around me and their lostness and their pain and their suffering. And I can begin to then pray that the gospel would go to them and God would use me to, to take it there. So let me start with my main point here today. The main point here, and we want to grasp this because the mission advances by the preaching of the word and the word is empowered by prayer. So we want to get this. The mission is advanced by the preaching of the word and, and the word is empowered by prayer. So when you look at this, <clears throat> the first W here is capital W, the word, God's word, his word, the Bible. So as we preach his word, then the mission advances. And then the second word is lowercase w, which refers to my words, your words, when you share the gospel, when we preach the gospel to other people, and that is empowered by prayer. So the mission advances by the preaching of the word of God, and the word is empowered by prayer. And so we want to understand that as we dive into the concept of praying for the mission of God today. And I would encourage you to take these notes and to take these home and to let this be at least one day out of your week. And this would guide your prayer and just three simple statements that would guide your heart, guide your prayer for the mission of God. So let's dive into this. How do we pray for God's mission? Number one, we pray that the gospel is advanced. We pray the gospel is advanced. Now look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. He says, brothers, pray for us. He says, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among us. So pray that the word of the Lord may speed ahead. And, and in other words, spread quickly, spread fast. It would, it would go quickly and, and go before us and, and be there. And as we take it, that it would spread like a wildfire. And he says, oh, just like it happened to you. Because remember, the gospel was to you and it was for you and somebody brought it to you. Somebody prayed for you me. And so I don't want to be selfish now and like, oh, okay, people prayed for me and people did this for me. And so now I'm just going to sit here on my, you know, little salvation throne and not share it with anybody else. No, no, no. I have to give this to someone else. And so I start with prayer that the gospel would be advanced. It would be honored. In other words, people would, would honor it and, and, and accept it and, 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 and honor it in their life and, and begin to live by it. And so we have to realize that, 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 that people in our world, that there are people in our world that have never heard the gospel. Statistics tell us that there are 6.8 billion people in the world today. Now probably closer to 7 billion people. And of those 7 billion people, they say that there are 2.8 billion unreached people. That's 41% of the population of the world has never heard the gospel. Now, some of you are like, how can that be with technology? And, and you've not been out of Maryville. <laughs> because you don't have to go far from the Bible Belt to realize that this is, a, this is an issue. 41% of the world <clears throat> has not heard 
the gospel. We must pray the gospel is advanced. And so as we pray this, then, then we realize that, that some of you are like Paul. Paul was on the frontier of church planning and taking the gospel. He would, he would go to cities that didn't have any believers. They didn't have a, any churches. He would go to the synagogue and he would begin to teach the gospel. That's hard ministry, right? That's on the front lines. And so some of you are like, ah, it's not me. I, I'm, I'm not called to do that. I'm not called to plant churches. I'm not called to go overseas. And yet there is another group in this room who you will never find peace and rest until you get out of the U.S., you move into a tent, you learn a language and take the gospel to a dying village. And part of your reality today is this tension that you're living in because you aren't being obedient. And God is sending you to advance the gospel to these areas and, and to these unreached people groups all around the world. And he's given you the privilege and the honor to be that person. Pastor Brant talked about the IMB and how that's our, that's our main connection. If that's something you're interested in, this is where we, we point everybody. Like this is a, an incredible organization that's gonna train and equip and then send. And, and so that's why we're with them. That's why we give to them because they're doing this all over the world. Here's a thought for you. Um, I put this on Facebook a few weeks ago and got a lot of private messages and, and uh, stirring in people. But, but the reality is, you know, our country, again, you know, kind of going through this Syrian refugee deal and, and um, a lot of people saying, keep them out, keep them out, keep them out. I get that. We've got to have a strong vetting process. We've, we've, we, we, safety is a concern. But my job as your pastor is to help you to think about world events through the lens of the gospel and not through the lens of Donald Trump. And when I, as a believer, look through the lens of the gospel, I realize that maybe God is answering a prayer that we've been praying for generations, that, that the gospel would go to countries like Syria. And yet, because of the governments, because of, uh, you know, the, the climate of the area, you know, it's very, very difficult. And there are Christians there, and they have planted churches, and, and I've read stories, and I've met men and women there. And it is difficult and hard. And so as we continue to pray the gospel is advanced, maybe God answers that prayer. Just maybe this is God answering that prayer by saying, you know what? You guys couldn't go to them. So I'm going to bring them to you. And as a church, we need to prayerfully consider that this might be God's will for our country and for us. And realize that we are not home. This is not our home. Right? We live for eternity. Our home is the kingdom of God. We're here for a very short period of time. And, and yes, persecution of Christians is a real thing that we want to fight for them. And at the same time, as we fight for them, we are not fearful because God has already told us that persecution will always be here for us. And it will only intensify as the second coming of Christ comes to a close. And so we pray that the gospel is, is in fact advanced across the country. I had a couple of students in my last church, I was a student pastor before planning this church, and there's a couple of students that actually um, got married and went to college after college. Right now, they are actually serving as missionaries to the Syrian refugees. They are they're getting on what they call death boats, and they, they, they get on these little rafts, and they float across the Aegean Sea from Turkey to Greece, and, and so they're right there. And so they're the first people 
that are ministering to these folks. And, and so the stories and the blog that they have has just blown me away. The pictures they post and the stories that, they, that they're sharing is encouraging because people are in fact accepting Christ. And so, so this is a world event. This is shaping world events. God is, is not idle. Do not be fearful. Recognize where God is moving and get in on it and do what he's calling us to do here. And so we as a people have to pray that the gospel is advanced and we have to understand that God is calling us to pray for that and actually be a part of that. Second point here is to pray that believers are sent out. Pray that believers are sent out. Look at Luke chapter 10. Jesus says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his, into his harvest. So who are the laborers? Right, full-time pastors. And so that's, they got to do better. <laughs> no, laborers are everybody in this room that claims the name of Jesus. If you claim to be a follower of Jesus, you are a laborer. Now, where is the harvest field? Where is this ripe harvest? And, and, and how do we know it's plentiful? And, and so if you're a farmer, or you've, you know, you've read about this, you know that there is, a, there is the right time to pick your crops. Like when the corn is at full maturity, you're like, all right, now is the time the harvest field is ripe. And so we go and we harvest the crop. We harvest the, the fruit. We harvest the vegetable. Whatever it is, we can tell because of the fruit. We can tell because of the plan. And so that's easy for farmers to understand. Now, when it comes to making disciples, how do we know if a field is ripe for harvest? God plants a seed in somebody's mind, in somebody's heart to plant a church. So, okay, how about Maryville? How about we plant a church in Maryville? I don't know. Let's think about it. Let's pray about it. Let's get other godly people involved in this prayer. Let's see if there are any resources to help fund this. Is God providing resources to make that happen? And, and so as God provides and as God opens up doors and as God continues to generate focus and energy in that, we pray about it and we think, you know what? I feel pretty good about this. I think this would work. I think this is what God is leading me to do. With 100% charity, uh, with 100% um, uh, knowing 100% that this is what God wants us to do, not at all. <laughs> like we have a strong percentage that this is what God, but we never know 100%. That's why, it's, that's why it's called faith. But when do we begin to see that, yes, God was in on this? Well, when we go, then we know. Because as I go, then I begin to know that God is actually working. And so, yeah, I put in the hard work. We develop leaders. We make disciples. We put in structures and systems to help meet the needs of the community. And as we do that, we see fruit. We see lives changed. And then we say, oh, yeah, so this was a field that was ripe for a harvest. God confirms it. So how do I know if a field is ripe for harvest? Well, I'm going to assume that every field is ripe. So that means that the field in your office is ripe for harvest. God's waiting for a believer to be sent there. Oh, wait, you're there. He, he already did it. I believe that your family is a harvest field. Somebody's got to be sent there. This community is a field that is ripe for harvest. We've got to pray that there are more laborers who are passionate about God and passionate about prayer and passionate about being sent to go and to make a difference, to make some noise. You see, here's the reality. I'm gonna assume that every field is, is ripe and ready for the harvest. And I do that because he's the Lord of the harvest. I'm not, you're not. 
So I don't have to worry about the results. I just have to, I just have to be faithful in what he's called me to do because he's going to do his part, right? I mean, he's not ever going to let us down. Is God going to let us down? No. He's going to let us down. So we're going to go and then we're going to expect him to do a great work. So I assume that we're called to take the gospel to our neighbors, our coworkers, and we're going to drive a truckload of love to our community. And as we do, he's the Lord of the harvest. So we pray that believers are sent, but we also pray to be sent. So as I'm praying, God, send more laborers, send more laborers. I'm also praying, send me. Like Isaiah says, here I am, Lord, send me. So God, where are you sending me? Are you sending me overseas? Are you sending me here? Are you sending me into a place where, where the gospel is, 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 is not being proclaimed? God, how am I a part of that? And so, so man, that's a scary prayer. That's an exciting prayer. And so maybe that means a new job or maybe that means, you know, uh, some, something major happens in your family that you kind of change the course of how you're living and what you're doing. And now you're beginning to do something else that's connected to Fiddle's Church and, and you're leading and praying together. We got to pray to be sent. And then thirdly, we're going to pray for boldness as a people. We're going to pray for boldness to witness. We're going to pray that God makes us bold. Now, in Acts chapter 4, go home and read that. Acts chapter 4, the disciples are being persecuted by the Sanhedrin. Um, and as they're persecuted, you know, their threats of imprisonment, their life is at stake. They are facing persecution like you and I have never faced. Here's what they pray. They're praying in Acts chapter 4, verse 29. And they say, Lord, look upon their threats and please make the threats go away. That's not what they prayed. Lord, look upon their threats and help things to smooth out so that it's more comfortable for us to be a, a, a Christian. And the, They pray, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with boldness. In other words, we're not praying that you would take away these threats. We're praying that you would help us not to be sissies when it gets tough. Help us to be bold as we proclaim your word. Help us not to, to be worried about who we're going to offend, thinking and assuming that everybody around us is going to be offended if I share my faith. And yet instead, we assume they're lost and broken and they want to hear some encouragement. That'd be a difference. Instead of, instead of praying, God, are you sending us? We, we often make the wrong assumption. God, are you sending me? Are you sending me? Do you want me to impact them with the gospel? God, if you want me to share the gospel with, but that's not a smart prayer. <laughs> God has sent you. He wants you to do that. Assume that he wants you to go. Assume that he wants you to be a part of that. Assume that he wants you to connect here. Assume that he wants you to do that. And then as you pray about it, if there are red flags here and there, then you can begin to say, okay, that's not the right place or that's not the right ministry or that's not the right thing. Our assumption is that he's not calling us to go. Our assumption is that he's not sending us. In fact, he is. And so we pray for boldness, boldness to preach and proclaim the gospel. Look at Romans chapter 10, it'll be on the screen. This is Paul. He says, how then will they call on him, Jesus, in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? Okay, he's making a strong argument and strong point here. 
How are these unreached people, 41% of the world's population, going to hear unless they're sent, unless somebody goes and preaches? Well, the reality is they're not. Therefore, we pray that we are bold. We pray that we are sent. And we pray that we are faithful in preaching the gospel. Now you're thinking, I can't preach like you, Trent. I'm not called to do that. But, but preaching is just proclaiming that the king is coming. And so anytime you are sharing the gospel, anytime you are talking about Jesus and what Jesus has done for you and in you, you are proclaiming the gospel that God created the world, that he loves you, that he has a purpose and a plan for you, that sent into the world and changed everything. So God sent his only son to live a perfect life, to die on the cross for our sins. And through him, we have forgiveness of our sin. We can establish and understand what a relationship with him looks like and feels like. And then we have heaven as our home. That is the gospel. And every time you share that story, you're preaching. You're what's called a herald, proclaiming the king is about to come. And so we pray for boldness. And we realize that we've got we've to go and we've got to share. We've got to talk. Now, St. Francis of Assisi. Anybody ever heard of him? The worst place to be from in the history of your, of your life, right? You're from Assisi. You're Assisi? What? No, it's terrible. I'm moving if I was him. But He's a guy that's credited for making this statement, and, and I wanted to know if you've heard of this. He's, he's credited for saying this, preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. Has anybody ever heard that? Let me see your hands. All right, yeah, that's all, that's very common. I hate that statement. First of all, he never said that. So if you historically look it up today when you go home, there's no proof that he ever said that statement. So he gets a raw deal. But it sounds warm and fluffy. Ah, we just need to be, we just need to be a good example. <sighs> Let's just go home and be a good example. That takes us off the hook, doesn't it? Makes us feel better that we're not talking about Jesus. Because I just, when necessary, use words. I just haven't felt the, the open, necessary door so I can still just keep living my life, right? No. So there's not an either or. We have to be a model. We have to, we have to live it. We have to be an example, but we also have to speak it. How can they know unless someone preaches? The reality is they cannot. And so if we have a heart for God, we'll have a heart for prayer, which will then establish a heart for the mission of God and a care that people are dying and going to hell. 41% of our world is on their way. And we have to care about that. And we want to care about that locally, and we want to care about that globally. So I mentioned earlier, um, just having this understanding and, and, and thought life, believing in prayer. And um, how many of you believe in prayer? How many of you would say that God has answered some of your prayers in 2015? If, if God has answered some prayers in your life in 2015, turn to the person next to you and say, oh yeah. Oh yeah. All right. God's working. God's moving. God's answered a lot of prayers in my life this year. A lot. And uh, I wanted to mention a few of them. One of, the, one of my prayers for several years now has been the opportunity to go to Jerusalem and experience everything. And as you know, I've mentioned this, I, I did about you know, a few weeks ago. And so God gave that opportunity, provided that, and boom, man, a huge answered prayer. I've uh, been praying for 10 years now that my third child, my daughter, Brooke, 
would accept Christ. And man, the first day I held her in my arms, I prayed that prayer. And it's been a prayer I've been praying every week for her entire life. And you know what? Just a couple of weeks ago, she accepted Christ. I think I mentioned that. And so I was just pumped up and just totally a God thing. And gonna baptize her on the 20th of December. If you wanna be baptized, we'll baptize on that day. I was praying um, about our church and usually you'll find me in here early on Thursday mornings in this room, sitting in the seats, on the altar here, on the stage, just praying that God would move in this room. God would save people, change people, bring people. And as we've prayed this in the beginning of this year, 2015, one of my prayers was, God, would you bless us with a hundred baptisms this year? A hundred people that accepted Christ and are baptized, would you bless us with that? You know, previous to that, we've seen 40, 50 people a year, you know, as, as being our highest. So it was, it was a big, bold ask. And um, as of our last baptism, which was last Sunday, I think we've baptized 123 people this year. It's incredible. I said 121 in the first service and then somebody came in and said, no, we baptized a couple more last week. And, and the year's not even over. December 20th, we're gonna continue to, to add to that. That's incredible. God blessing us with that. I've been praying about our future as a church. God, we need the property next door. For some of you that don't know, this is where, probably more information you wanna know, but when we bought this place, we had a contract that in five years that we would buy that land next to us for a certain price. And if we didn't, then we would, we would you know, may never get it. Um, and so we've been praying that God would give us that. And so about a year and a half ago, we did a series called Invest. If you were here, you kind of remember that. We took up a big offering. We were gonna buy the property. We didn't, we didn't get enough money. And so when we didn't get enough money, I was like, okay, God, so, so what are we gonna do now? What do you want us to do? I thought, you know, this is kind of where we were going. And, and so now, now what? And, and so we wanna continue to connect children to Jesus. We wanna continue to connect teenagers to Jesus. We wanna continue to connect adults to Jesus. And so if we're gonna do that, we're gonna have to open up some chairs. We're gonna have to open up some space because the room in here was crowded. And even more than that, our kids' space was crowded. And so we had to make a change. We didn't get the property we weren't gonna build. So we have to do something Well, we have to start a third service. And so we did. We started a third service and God continued to bless and sent people and lives changed and student ministry and kids ministry all growing. And so I'm okay, God, we, we need this land. Don't forget about that. And so we're praying about it. And you've heard me talk about our relationship with the bank and kind of how we're, we've been working with them and developing a master plan for, with our architect to kind of get all of this done in the meantime. And so we, we've done that and went to the bank. I told you a few, about a month or so ago about this. And, um, but even before that, a year ago, when I went to the bank and I told them this is what we wanna do and how we wanna do it. And he, they looked at our finances and said, okay, well, you're not quite there, come back in three months. And so I did, I went back in three months and again, eh, come back in three months. I did that four or five times. <laughs> and so this last time is what I was talking about a second ago. Like he said, okay, we'll do this, but here's what your payment would be and here's what your interest rate would be. And I said, this, this is too much. We can't, we can't afford that. We need it to be here and the interest rate needs to be here. Crickets started chirping and the awkward silence was in the room. And, he said, okay, well, I'll go back and we'll talk about it and I'll call you. Well, then I went to the Holy Land. I was in Jerusalem and uh, we were in 
the garden tomb. And so if you don't know what that is, the garden tomb is what many people believe uh, Jesus was buried and where he, where he rose. And so right next to the garden tomb, there's this rock mountain. And when you look at it from a distance, it looks like a skull. Remember Jesus was crucified on the place of the skull. And so it's kind of a, it's, it's a unique place. It's an amazing place. So we were gonna sing some worship songs. We were gonna take communion. And then we were gonna go in the garden tomb that is empty, by the way, if you forgot, it's empty. It's so cool. And so I walk in there to begin to worship and to begin to take communion. And this is gonna be an epic day for me, right? I've prayed about coming here and doing, this is an epic day. This is, this is Disney World for me, right? And, you know, to the max, you know? And so, so I'm walking in and my phone rings and I look and it's Mark from the bank. And I think, this could be an epic Jesus encounter. If I'm in the garden tomb singing, taking the Lord's communion and, and, and I'm here and, and he tells me that we're approved and we're gonna go forward and he's happy to you know, do this, it could be awesome. Or it could make an epic day a terrible day. <laughs> like that's all I would think about if I was in the garden tomb. And so, I, I hit ignore. We were about to sing and everything, so I hit ignore. I know, lack of faith. I get home from the trip the next day I'm with my family, we're in a store and he calls back and I say, okay, well, this is, this is the right time. I gotta figure this out, we gotta take this call. And so I pick it up and he said, you know, Trent, we've kind of looked at everything. We looked at what you were talking about as a payment, interest rate, and we talked to our CEO. I just called to let you know that we'd be happy to give you this rate and this price so that your church can buy this land and build this building. Yeah. So what that means for us is the mission continues. The mission of making disciples continues. The, the opportunity to create more space so that more people can come, so that more people can experience the gospel, so that our kids' ministries can expand and have more uh, healthy, awesome environments for kids and for students can exist. So that is a big deal. That is a prayer God has answered. So what that means is in January, I'm gonna talk more specifically and show you guys a lot of things that, that, that we have planned and, and what we would like to do and, and show that to you. And so that's, that's, that's coming down the pike in just four or five weeks. And so excited about that. God's answering prayer. And so, so as we close today, I wanna to encourage you by just kind of sharing some ways that God is answering prayer in my life and for this church. And, and I know He's answering your prayer. What would it look like if everybody in this room, one day out of the week, made these three points their prayer for the day? So getting outside of personal needs and getting around the mission of God, and that we would begin to pray that, that the gospel is advanced, that people are being sent, believers are being sent, including myself. How are you sending me? And then finally, we, we would pray that God would make us bold in our witness. I believe God would continue to do even greater things in this church. That's my challenge for you today. Another challenge is that we would close today with a time of prayer, praying for this right here, right now together. As we pray for this, we're also praying and asking God, hey God, not, what should we give next week as we come to the Christmas offering? What's that look like for us? And, and how, can we, how can we donate and give and be a part of that? Some of you are prayer warriors and you're like, man, you, you know, I've been wanting this. I, I want more of this in our church. I'll be the first to tell you, we don't pray enough. We need more people praying. I need more people praying for me. 
And so if you're interested in, in being a part of our prayer ministry and what that looks like on a Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon or throughout the week, I encourage you to go to the prayer and care room today and, and give them your name and your contact info and they'll get with you over the next couple of weeks and uh, share with you some important things that are happening. And then finally, on December 19th, we're gonna have a day of prayer, 24 hour solid day of prayer on the new property. And so I know it's gonna be cold and I'm not asking you to be here for 24 hours straight. I'm asking you to be here for one hour out of that 24 hours. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna set up on the property where the stage is gonna be, where the baptistry is gonna be, where the care and prayer room is gonna be. And we're gonna go to different sections and we'll have a guide for you, some scripture for you so you'll be able to read and pray. And uh, it's just gonna be a phenomenal time for our church and just saturating that property with prayer, 24 hours of prayer. So 6 p.m. on Saturday to the following, 6 p.m. on Friday to 6 p.m. on Saturday. Um, you can go online, foothillschurch.com slash prayer to sign up for a time slot. I encourage you guys to do that. So now I just wanna ask you to bow your heads. The band is gonna come and sing a song to help us reflect, to help us pursue God, to earnestly seek Him. I encourage you just to feel freedom to move around in this room, to come forward and pray with your family or just come and pray on your own. Maybe there are people that have come to your mind that you know need the gospel, family members, close friends. You wanna specifically lift them up today. I believe in the power of prayer, man. I see it every week. And when I ask God for things and I see Him answer those prayers, my faith just explodes. And we wanna be a, a church and a people that pray for the mission. So we're gonna pray. We're gonna be encouraged and challenged. I ask you to join me. Thank you for listening. More information about Fiddles Church can be found online at fiddleschurch.com.